We still have a few more trickling in through the back door, but let's get our service started this morning with a song. If you guys would like to rise and sing with us, lift your voice this morning. We're going to sing Your Grace Is Enough. service this morning in prayer, I wanted to add these two things. 
One is is, is Miss Annie, as you may have noticed, is not here today. She's having uh, blood sugar issues really badly. I think we need to lift her in prayer. But then also, too, we mentioned uh, Thursday night when we were praying for uh, Brother Roy, uh, how his body is deteriorating and, 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 and slowly going the way that all our bodies do. He's not here this morning, and he asked if we would uh, pray for him today. He just, he just can't... Get, get out get out of bed anymore. So uh, let's lift him in prayer this morning as well. And I'm going to do that in just a moment, but I'm going to ask you to do this. Throughout this day, if you think about it, lift them up in prayer. Maybe grab the prayer list that's in your bulletin today. Let's pick a name, pick a side, pick the whole thing. But let's get back to being that praying church. The church, the, apost the, the apostolic church, the beginning church, the church of Jesus Christ, after he was uh, ascended to be at the right hand of God the Father, started out being by in a prayer meeting. They didn't have the, a building. They came together in prayer. That's what we need to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good seeing everybody. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just praise your name that you've allowed us to have this place, to gather together, to assemble with brothers and sisters in your name and in one accord and united one with another, Lord God. We are able to truly know that you hear our prayers. We believe you hear them, and we believe you care about us. So because you care about us and hear what we have asked, I know that you will do what's best in the hearts and minds of the folks we're praying for. So God, I specifically lift up Roy to you this morning and pray in the name of Jesus that, that you heal his body. But also, Lord, that if, if this is the way that physical body is to go, may you speak straight to his spirit. May he feel you comfort. And feel you as his heavenly father where he is right now. Be with that entire family today, Lord God. And God, I pray for Miss Annie as well. As she couldn't come as much as she loves to be here. May you just get her blood sugars and everything back to where they need to be. And, and clear her mind and her head and just put her back on her feet, Lord. That's our desire and that's our prayer. And we know that you are the creator that can make that happen. You can heal and fix all the created because you are God. So, Father, I just lay this all in your hands, and I ask, Lord, that you bless this service today. May, may you be able to look down from heaven and know that you know that these folks here in Southern Springs are worshiping you. May every action we do be a glorious testimony of your grace. May your will be done, Lord God, in this service today. And if there is someone here today that does not know you, they've never bowed that knee, for whatever the reason may be, may this be the day they choose life over death. May your will be done, God. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second. Give somebody a hug. Shake their hand. And, and just let them know it's good to see them in God's house today. <laughs>
Okay, as we get back to our seats this morning, as far as announcements go, they're very short and simple today. The, the only thing I would say is, again, make sure you keep Roy and, and Ann in your prayers uh, and everyone on the prayer list as well. And we've had the last couple of Thursday nights a, uh, an incredible prayer meeting, and I would ask and encourage you guys to remember the power of prayer. The reason that God kind of laid that on my heart this past Thursday to bring up is because so many churches are shutting down their evening services, Sunday evenings and Wednesday evening prayer meetings. Now, I want to encourage you guys. I understand that oftentimes we have things we need to do, and you may not be able to make it on those evenings. Uh, but do not forsake the assembling one with another, and don't forsake the prayers. Always remember that the prayer is, is your communication directly with the Lord. Amen? So... Oh, I thought I had a bus coming up behind me or something there. I was trying to figure out, something doesn't sound well, but we're going to run with this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's supposed to be eastern sky. That's kind of north, so I don't know what's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? The only other announcement I got, guys, is make... Okay, make sure we're in that prayer life, is our staff meeting is tomorrow night. So, guys, if um, 7 o'clock tomorrow evening for my staff, if you can be here tomorrow evening, and um, I, I believe that's everything for now, and we're going to talk about our, our Easter service and such at staff meeting. I'll have more information on that uh, come next week. All right, praise the Lord. I, I think Chris has our scripture reading this morning. Amen, brother. Father God, I lift up my brother to you again, and I thank you for his willingness to to. Step outside the box and do what you called him to do and be obedient to your will. So, God, may we hear your words through him as we, we are listening for you this day. Bless him and his family, Lord, and just, just watch over them for his, his obedience. Just, just give them grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that this is a problem that a lot of us have, but it's a problem that I have, so I want to talk about it because it was brought up to me in some of my peer reviews and stuff at work. So, uh, The problem of being too measured in your response and not showing enough passion or uh, excitement um, is kind of a, an issue that I've had for a while. But, you know, granted, this this world in this day and age has kind of built us to to have a measured response and a calm demeanor and things like that. Like that's, you know, supposedly what's positive in this world and, and what's uh, positive for a manager, so I thought. But anyway, um, I got some feedback that uh, people would like to see me be more expressive and, you know, outgoing and uh, show the things that I'm passionate about uh, in the way that I talk or with my demeanor and things like that. So uh, I'm going to work on that. Uh, but the biblical application for that is uh, in Psalms 99. Uh, they're going to put that up on the board for us. We're not going to put it up. Oh, we are going to put it up on the board. Okay, thank you. Uh, Psalms 99, verses 1 through 3, it says, The Lord reigns. Let his people, or let the people, tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. Hallelujah. So the application there is, is when, we, um, when we see the Lord working, how do we respond to it? Yeah. You know, sometimes that calm, measured response is not the proper response. Sometimes we need to get excited. Sometimes we need to raise our voices and, you know, draw a little attention to ourselves. Hallelujah. You know, that way others, other people can see that, that we get excited about what God's doing. Amen? Raise them hands, absolutely. Amen. So I'm going to work on that. I hope that uh, you know those of you who may need to work on that as well, work on it with me. Thank All right, you. let's pray this morning. Hallelujah. God in heaven, we thank you so much uh, that you are who you are and that we can get excited about that, That's God. That's right. You are such a great and mighty God, and, and God, help us to, to show the rest of the world through our response 
uh, the proper way to, to revere you, God, and the proper way to respond to the way that you work in this world. God, we thank you for your word and everything that it presents to us. Uh, God, as we go into this time of praise, we, we just ask that you, you work through us and help us respond properly uh, to the words that are being presented. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's sing this morning. If you guys want to stand, please do. You don't have to, of course. We're going to sing the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Oath his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Ground is sinking sand. When he shall call with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking Princes and paupers, sons and daughters, kneel at the throne of grace. Loosen the winners, the saints and sinners, one day will see His face, and we will surrender their crowns and worship Jesus for he is the love the unfailing love he is the love of God summer Mountains and the rivers whisper the Savior's name. And awesome and holy, the 
guys. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me also say this morning, I was telling somebody earlier what the message was about, and they said, who's in trouble? No Well, you're in trouble if the Lord convicts you of it, I suppose. But the message this morning is for everyone. It's for all of us to be able to, to understand this basic tenet of the church. And as I preach, I'm not just preaching to us as a body of believers. The church is all the churches that preach Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of God the Father. Amen? So this, is, this, this message that God's laid on my heart, I want to make sure all of us individually, rather than trying to say who's in trouble, think about how does this apply to me and am I utilizing it in a proper way? Am I being what God has called me to be in a world that is needed, that, that needs the gospel message? Am I fully uh, taking the talents that God has given me and utilizing them correctly? Am I going out amongst the, the highways and the byways, sharing the gospel message? That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be adhering to on a daily basis is, Lord, I come to you in prayer. We go as we did in song just now, and, and holy, 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 Lord God, show me how I can fulfill that holy position you have me to be in. It's not just for the pastors and such. It's all of us as one body. So in Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11, I want to grab just a few verses here. It says, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry. Notice that's plural for the training of the saints in the work of ministry. All saints have work in ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of doctrine or teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. In other words, we are to train up and, and lift one another up and 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 build one another up in Christ so that we all, each one of us individually, can go about being what God's called us to be to further his work, and in so doing, it is going to unite us and bring us back together. As one body, we are to do this. The body of Christ. We are not to be splintered and broken, but as one body, go forth into the world and let your light shine. In Ephesians 6, there's two more chapters over in, in, in verses 11 through 12. He tells us about the armor. He says, put on the full armor of God. Now, you've heard me talk about this quite often, and we're to put on this full armor of God. So why? So that we can stand against the schemes that Satan brings against us. He says, put on the full armor of God because our battles are not against the flesh and blood of one another. Our battles are between the principalities of good and evil in the air. In other words, We are to put on the armor of God on a daily basis 
because there is a battle transpiring around us all the time. And the battle is not with our brothers and sisters. Some folks wonder, well, doesn't it upset you when so-and-so says this? Or they should be angry because I saw sister so-and-so do that. Why won't they get angry? Why aren't they mad about this? Because a lot of folks understand and realize it's not about me. It's not about them. The battle isn't between flesh and blood. It's the principalities of good and evil and the choices that each one of us individually makes as to whom it is we're going to serve that day. Now, I'm pretty sure most of you would tell me, well, I don't ever choose to serve Christ. I mean, excuse me, choose to serve Satan. I hope you're serving Christ most of the time. I don't think any of y'all would say, well, I choose to serve Satan. However, oftentimes when God tells us to do something and we do not, we've made our choice. Or maybe we, we kind of just drop out of Bible study or we forget some things and we get a little spiritual weak and then Satan comes along. He's not called the master of deceit for no reason. He can trick us sometimes into doing what he has called us to do, wants us to do, rather than what God has called us to do. And though it may not be intentional, all of a sudden we find ourselves falling into this snare and doing what Satan would have us to do rather than what God would have us to do. I have a friend who manages his daughter's uh, softball team. Actually, it's, I think he said baseball, really. But anyway, it, when he brought them together, he, said, he asked them what they wanted to name their team. And they said, the enemies. And he, he said, I had to dissuade that. You know, that the, that the response was, was something that he didn't think the other teams and parents would, would like. However, they had it right. They, 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 their thought, he and I both agreed, was pretty good. He wanted the, they wanted the other teams to dread them. They wanted the other teams, when they looked at who they're playing next, say, the enemies. They wanted to be dreaded. They wanted to get out there and win. So you, you, you value their thought pattern there. Let me say this this morning, folks, that just as they wanted to be dreaded, we should be dreading Satan. Satan is our enemy. He is the enemy, not brothers and sisters, not one another. Satan is the enemy, and he is to be dreaded as a lion. Peter says he's seeking the perimeter, roaring, and seeing whom he can devour as a lion. Folks, he is to be dreaded, even more dreaded as a serpent. But let me say this this morning. The most dreaded form that Satan can take on is that of an angel. I think we forget sometimes that he was the most glorious angel. He can put on the body of a, of a of and look like that most righteous person to set that trap for you. And if we are not educated into the the thoughts of Satan, if we are not studying the Scripture, if we are not looking for him, we might step right into that trap. The more we acknowledge who he is, the more we'll be able to see the traps that he sets. The more we acknowledge who we are in Christ, the more we are able to see those who are not. The more we are able to see the traps that Satan puts forth. God put the church in the world, but Satan wants to put the world in the church. And we have to be real careful to watch what's going on around us to be able to stand upon our scriptures and make a stand and say, this does not supposed to be here. This is not something that transpires in the church. Should not transpire in the church. That Satan, the, the snare of Satan, if you will, is to disguise himself as an angel of light. And, and, and he tells us this in, in 2 Corinthians, that he does this quite often. If we know that Satan is going to, to use that ploy, if we know that that's one of his tactics, then it should be common sense to us that, that if Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, his servants are going to masquerade as best as they can as, as servants of righteousness as well. If he can infiltrate the church... He will. If he can tear down the church, that's what he wants to do. And those people that are being utilized by him, their their ends will get their actions. But there are people that God takes and touches and and uses in mighty ways. Satan's going to be drawn to them. And if he can mess them up, he will do so. And oftentimes he does this by sending his emissaries right into church meetings. Oftentimes, Satan will take one of his minions, tell his minions, okay, I need you to go out there to Sutherland Springs. I need you to go to Lavernia. I need you to go to Floresville. But I got this church. I need you to go in there. And they'll walk into the church and they'll have a smile on. Everything looks great. They're emulating that righteous person. They go in and they sit in church and they got a great smile. But then when they leave to go to lunch, they have chopped preacher for dinner. 
You know, they want to sit around and, and talk and, and dissect all the negatives of the church with others. They, and they'll try to, to tear apart and drive these little wedges in. And they'll try to make cracks into the foundation. They'll pick apart a Sunday school class or they'll, they'll find something on the wall that they didn't, they didn't like. And, and they'll find something so that when they all go to lunch, they can look down and say, um, yeah, he preached a sermon, but did you notice the color of the carpet? Or did you hear what he said uh, uh, earlier or, or this or that? And they'll make these little remarks just to try to make these little crevasses, these little niches into the foundation. If they can crack up the foundation, they can bring the church time down. And the whole time they're making these snide little remarks happening in these quiet conversations, they're still walking into a church with a bright smile and, 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 and just looking like the epitome of righteousness. Folks, we as a church need to be capable of acknowledging and recognizing that. We need to see these things. We need to understand that the scripture says that the church is going to be unified. Why? Because we are one body in the Christ. In the Holy Spirit of God, that in Acts chapter 4, in that first prayer meeting, when the Holy Spirit came down, it said it indwelt all of them. They became emboldened and they became one. They became unified in their prayers unto the Lord. When there is a unification of prayers, when there is a body that have come together in Christ, and then there's that one voice that keeps trying to find these little things to knit, these little things to throw out in, in these quiet backdoor conversations, you have to stop and say, that's not unifying. That, that's not bringing together. There's something wrong here. Satan's master plan is, is, is to pervert the pure guys to come in and destroy us. Foster false doctrine. That's what he said there. That at any wind of doctrine, if we are not unified, if we are not pulled together, that we will let any wind of doctrine come in and, and toss us to and fro. Satan wants us to mess up. He wants to distort the discernible. He wants us to be able to, if I preach a sermon or one of the Sunday school teaches a Sunday school lesson or one of the scripture readers comes up and they say something that's powerful and it's against Satan and it's against his kingdom, he's going to do everything he can to throw out these little tidbits out. Of course, he's not going to stand up in front of the pastor and in front of the church body where all the Holy Spirit is amassed. He's going to do these little snide traps out. So he can pick apart what was said, and if he may not be able to take it down because it was scripturally correct, but if he can cause doubt, if he can take what was discernible and distort it and cause people confusion, he's done his job. If he can, if Satan can keep the confusion level up in the church, he has disarmed the church. I don't know if you realize that, guys. That's one of the reasons it's so important to study your scriptures, to go to Bible studies and and, and, and the study to find yourself approved, as Paul said, because Satan is going to do everything he can to take what you hear on a Sunday morning or, or in a Bible study, and he's going to try to cause that confusion. Because if you're confused, or if you're debating and arguing with one another, rather than going to the Lord with it, you're not building the kingdom of God, and he's done his job. He's disarmed the church when, he's making the church, when he gets the church to fight against itself. Satan wants to go out. He wants to kill the committed. He wants to condemn the converted, if you will. Deceive the disciples. He wants to, to make sure that we just cannot function as a unit. If we can't function as a unit, we're holding up everything else. That's why he'll send in his little minions and they'll have a smile, but they're slamming the sanctified. Did you see brother so-and-so? Did you see sister what she did? And, and, and about this. Where in the scripture does it say that we are to talk badly and poorly about one another? It says to edify one another, uniting one another in the cause of Christ and in the spirit of God. Yes, if they are truly in the acts of sin, it, there's a proper way. It says go to your brother, not to bro everyone else. Go to your sister. And if that don't work, then go get an elder of the church and go. And if that don't work, get the pastor as well and you all go. It's not about talking to one another about little idiosyncrasies that you have or, or, or things of that nature, bring it out into the open, into the light of God, and then you address it that way. Satan's entire tendency to, to, is to take our focus off the finish line, and he does it by those little snide remarks. He'll send in his minions sometimes into a church. He'll, he'll send in those emails, or he'll it, it drop these little, little break-apart bombs and these little conversations just to cause doubt and confusion. And when we're confused and we're doubting, 
How are we focusing on the finish line that God set before us? Our battles, guys, are not with flesh and blood. The principalities of good and evil. And if we give in to the evil, then we're going to be blown around by any wind of doctrine. That's why we should daily put on the full armor of God. Satan is going to initiate a, 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 a battle plan to get us to focus on the trivial rather than the trinity. If he can get us to focus on snide remarks, if he can get us to focus on our interpersonal relationships from one side of the church to the other, if he can get us to, to get focused on the color of the carpet, if he can get us to get focused more on, on was the grass mowed or was it not, if he can get us to focus on these little things rather than God, he's done his business. He's done his job. He may not be able to steal your salvation, but if he can make the church not as useful as it could be, he's happy. A church not acquainted with the devil's power and with the devil's plans is destined to succumb to that kind of spiritual warfare, guys. If we don't realize, I think sometimes we still picture Satan with, red, with horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork running around like some kind of cartoon character. That's not the way he is. He can come in as an angel of light. He can send his emissaries in. And if we are not specifically looking for the signs of those traps, before you know it, you've stepped in one. If you're not looking for those trip wires, of course you're not going to stand there with a sign on it that says, step here. They're hidden amongst the leaves. They're hidden amongst the righteous. They're hidden amongst the church. And we must watch for those signs. And those tripwires normally are those conversations and those words and those things that are divisive rather than uniting. That should be the first sign. What, what's, what's, what's going on here? You see, God's people needs to know, we must know, that we are all on the same team. If we believe that Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his birth from a virgin, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the God the Father. If we believe that, that gospel message right there, we are on the same team. And we should be uniting together to block out the evil one. We should be fighting the, the, the Satan, the real enemy, not one another. They need to know, every Christian needs to know, we are in one body. We are on the same team. That way when someone is speaking Against the team, they can recognize the spirit that is speaking. Because we have been called, our spirit bears witness with his spirit. If I am filled with the Holy Spirit, Brother Bob's filled with the Holy Spirit, Brother Brian's filled with the Holy Spirit, we may disagree on little things, but you know what's going to happen? We have the same boss. We have the same God. We have the same spirit. And because of that, we're not, I'm not going to cut down Bob or Brian or they wouldn't cut me down. Why? Because we all are edifying and uniting one another to be focused on the finish line, which is Christ Jesus. When we are focused correctly, when we are focused on Christ, the little things are, isn't going to trip us up. There was a story of a man who, who couldn't swim, and he went fishing with, his, with his, uh, his other friend. Never been fishing before because he was scared of the water. Well, sure enough, he caught a big fish, and in his excitement, he leans over the boat, and he's, he's, he's playing with the fish, and he falls in. Well, he gets up, and he's struggling, and, he, and who Lord, you know, he's just flashing and scared to death. Save me, save me, save me. So his friend says, you know, I'm just going to get him in the boat any way I can. So he reaches out, grabs him by the hair, and goes to pull him in, and the toupee comes off. Well, now the guy's, now he's really thrashing around. He's scared. He says, save me, save me. So his friend grabs his arm, pulls it off. It was an artificial. And he's like, oh my goodness gracious. And the guy in the water now, he's getting incredibly afraid. And he's hollering and screaming. So, so he, the guy reaches out again. And this time he grabs his leg and goes to pull in. And it was a, a wooden leg. And the guy's just getting all scared out there. And he says, I, I'm going to drown. And his friend is just getting disgusted in the boat. He says, if you would just stick together, I'd get you out. <laughs> I think sometimes God's, we, we get all messed up. We start hollering. And God's saying, if you would just stick together, I could get you out of this. But it's when you let an arm get pulled off, when you let a hand get pulled off, when you let body parts go here, there, and everywhere, you're becoming a big mess out there. Folks, it is not about each one of us running independently with God. We are united in Christ. Yes, each one of us has been called to a specific task. Each one of us has been given a gift of some sort. 
Each one of us has a goal in their personal life. But just as this hand has its goal for my body, this hand has its goal, but they're still members of my body, my one body. We are all members of one body of Christ. Not to, This hand's not going to try to whack this hand off, or vice versa. At least I hope not. Why do we do that in our church? Satan's going to come in and try those kinds of things. If he can bring divisiveness, if he can bring those, those cracks in the foundation, all he has to do is shake up the foundation. We're real good at ruining everything from there. If he can just come in and shake it up a little bit, and we take our eyes off God and put it on the shake-up, all of a sudden we're helping him out. Satan step back. He doesn't have to do anything anymore. You see, folks, the good news is we can disagree on little things as long as we know what our objective is. And our objective is to be what God has called us to be, to stay focused on Christ, to stay focused on the Lord. That's where we need to be. Abraham said, let there be no strife amongst us because we are brethren. Folks, if we are brothers and sisters, and not just in title, brothers and sisters in the blood of Jesus Christ, then why do we insist upon shooting one another? Why do we insist upon cutting down one another and, 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 and cutting apart the ministries of one another? We should be edifying each other. Unity is the hallmark of Christianity. In a horse pulling contest one time, anybody ever been to a horse pulling contest? Pretty neat. I, I, I used to go tractor pulling contests, and every now and then, in, in, out in, at least in northern Alabama, they'd have the horse pulling as a side event that you would go to, and then you'd get to see the Amish people make all their stuff and everything. But, but it was neat to go and see these horses, horse pulls. But it was what, one was fascinating one time. The horse that won the, what it is, they got these big sleds, and they put weights on the sled, and they just get this horse to pull it so far and see how uh, much the horse could pull. Well, in this one, this, this one tournament, the horse that won pulled 4,500 pounds, a little bit over two, two tons that horse was able to pull. The horse that came in second place pulled 4,000 pounds, two tons. Now, that's 8,500 pounds corporately. Well, they, the, the owners of the horses got talking and said, I wonder what would happen, how much they could pull. Would it be 8,500 pounds? So if we yoked them together to one sled. So they yoked them together to one sled just to see what the two number one and number two horse together could pull they ended up pulling 12,480 pounds. Now, alone, they could only pull 4,500 and 4,000. So why so much? I don't know. But together, yoked together, they were able to go a third higher than what they were, should have been able to do because they were trying to outpull each other, working together and, and pulling that sled together. I say that for this reason. When we work together, when we stay yoked to Christ and let Christ be our yoke, and work together in the church rather than try to tear down the church or to, to find, let Satan shake up the foundation of the church, we can do a, at least a third more, probably twice as much as we're doing any other time. There needs to be unity in the church or any wind of doctrine. This is, is going to come through. What did Jesus say? Satan... Satan does not sow love, does he? He sows unwarranted criticism. Why is that? Because what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, all thy might, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Satan is not going to come in and sow love because that's what unites a church. The greatest contradiction to Christian Faith is division. And that's what unwarranted criticism does. It divides. If we want to stand for what God has called us to stand for, then it should be unity. We should be loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our strength, all our mind, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We, ought to be, we should be laying down our lives for one another. No, greater love hath no man than he who lays down his life for one another. That's what we should be doing for brothers and sisters, willing to lay down our life to, for the cause of Christ. A church that focuses on the, on the faults instead of the possibilities is destined to ruin, guys. A church that is focused on demeaning rather than uplifting is destined to ruin. If the devil can drive a wedge, and remember, he, he's not going to come in with a huge hammer and a huge wedge where he can be seen. 
It's in little ones, in those small backroom conversations. If he can come in and tap in those wedges between brothers and sisters, he will do it in a heartbeat. Because if he can shake the foundation, on the Lord's team, there should be a, 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 a mutual encouragement, if you will, for us to be able to, to come together as members and stay and maintain a winning spirit. We should, as one body, corporately, Look up to God. We, we prayed for Ann and Roy earlier. We have our prayer list we pray over. We should, as one body, in one accord, be lifting up in prayer. This church, our country, our members, everything on that prayer list, we should be able to come together in one accord. Why? Because it's the same Spirit that fills us if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Satan would absolutely love to devour the church by, by petty thinking, by fault-finding. Satan would love to get us to start doing those little... And, and, and I wish I could tell you it's rare. I hear it all the time from these other pastors and stuff, that the com- committees bickering one with another over the, the color of the carpet, the sign. Brother so-and-so said this or said that. Rather than listening to what the words really meant, they take a worldly idea of what they think the word, words mean. And all of a sudden you have a scandal when it was never intended to be. It was Satan driving these little wedges and making these little cracks. When we, when we throw around these unwanted and unfounded critical remarks, that's Satan trying to shake up the church. Proverbs 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. We may have all kinds of ideas in our hearts, but it's when we all come together and look to the Lord. That's the one that will prevail. If Satan can come in and, and make multiple driving forces in the church, if he can get each personality to start doing what they think is ought to be right, if each personality starts going this way and that way, each competing for attention, the result is conflict. And when there's conflict, Satan's just going to step back with a smile and watch. He's just going to step back and say, man, look at that. All I had to do is shake it up a little bit. I had to send one of my emissaries in there drop a couple of little hints down in the Bible study, had to drop a couple of little hints down after the service on Sunday, four little hints, a couple of days, and look, that church has fallen to the ground. They didn't have the Spirit. The church that has the Spirit, that is united in the Spirit, will smell and see that trap for what it is and say, nope, this isn't going to work. It's not our job to create the purpose of the church. That, it, it, it's not. It's our job to discover it. It's our job to, to share that with one another. And what is the purpose of the church? As I said, the purpose of the church is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. A purpose-driven church is, is one committed to filling the, 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 the task that Christ has ordained for that church, which is loving God, loving neighbors. Our mission is is to minister to others. Our commission is to go and make ye disciples. That's what the church is about. Not deciding what color sells the service better of the carpet. God has called us to fulfill a task, guys. And that task is to do, be done as a body. We are all brothers and sisters. As long as there, there, there is one soul who has not heard the message out there, we have been given a task to do. As long as there's anybody out there that still has not bent their knee and surrendered their heart to God, that's what we should be fighting. We should be taking the gospel message to the world and sharing that with them that Jesus saves, not arguing over whether or not this brother or that brother said this or said that. Not arguing whether or not that, that my little idiosyncrasies of Scripture, the way I think this, that, or the other, trumps the message or not. Now, don't get me wrong. You should always question the message. If, you have, if, if I preach something and you're not sure, then I encourage you to come to me. But there's a difference in coming to me and asking and going to brother so-and-so's house or sister so-and-so's house and saying, I think that pastor just don't know what he's talking about. Because rather than me being able to explain or you being able to learn, that other person that heard it all of a sudden said, wow, why would I want to go to a church where the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about? Why would I want to serve a Lord that lets a guy get up and preach that doesn't know what he's talking about? 
let me tell you straight up, there's a whole lot I don't know. I am fallible just like any other man. But I serve a God who's not. And I would ask that if there was ever anybody had a problem, come and bring it to us and we'll pray together in unity, in one accord, and just see where the Scripture leads us. We may find out that I was wrong, or you were wrong, or we were both wrong, and God slaps us both on the back of the head. But whatever it is, let's do it in the light and in the bright. Things that are out in the open is what God deals with. Things that are in the dark and hidden, that's Satan's domain. And we can be, full, we, we can be saved and still step off into that domain at times. And we need to be careful about that. Why would we want to be the wedge that Satan uses to drive into the church? The church exists to edify, to educate one another, to lift up God. Our desire, should be anyway, is to build up. To build up one another, strengthen one another, edify one another, lift up one another. Not shoot each other down, guys. That's just not what the church should do. That's what Satan's wanting to do. Whether knowingly or not, when we secretly tear down rather than build up, when we secretly say these little words around, when we secretly are, are driving these little wedges in there, we are playing with Satan's deck of cards. Not, not God's. That's not of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, in, in Colossians 1.28, in Colossians 1.28, God says, we, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone to be a, to Christ. We are to admonish Christ. We, we, we are to bring the word of God to everyone so that they can know who he is. That's our job. Not tearing each other down, but sharing Christ. Satan's going to do all he can to fool you, fool me. And he does a good job of it at times. Why let him? The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, am I that person? Am I that person that, that I, I've, I've started stepping out and, and I've, I've practiced a few deeds that's tore apart the church? Am I, am I allowing Satan that I step into a trap where he's using me to, to crack the foundation up a little bit? Or am I that person that is truly just trying to share the gospel? I'm that person that's just inviting folks to the church. Because you see, when we are about the purpose of the church, we can bring defeat to the evil one. We can vanquish him from these grounds. We can vanquish him from this community. When we have put on the spiritual armor of God and going out and fighting that battle, however to do so, we need to know our purpose. We need to each one individually ask the Lord, God, am I fulfilling my purpose? Or have I stepped into a trap and allowed Satan to use me to cause these foundation shakes? Am I being what you've called me to be, Lord? Am I a part of the body, a viable part of the body? Or am I that stuff that just hangs around on the sides that everybody tries to get rid of? Lord, what am I doing today? Has Satan fooled me into doing his dirty work, or am I truly building one another up in the kingdom? Every one of us needs to ask ourselves that question. I would say almost on a daily basis. It came up in Sunday school this morning that sometimes we get tired. We lose our empathy. We lose our, our belief in the power of prayer. And when that happens, we find ourselves sinking. And that's when Satan's going to move in to take you. On a daily basis, we should stop and ask ourselves, am I that one that, that Satan is using to, to shake up the body? Or am I the one that God's using to lift up the body? And when I say ask it, don't answer yourself. Ask God to give you the answer. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I'm going to tell you Satan's already got you. It's real hard to take an understanding of the messages that's being preached if you don't know Christ. For understanding comes by the Spirit, and if you don't have the Spirit, how can you understand? If I got up here and started speaking Swahili to all you folks, I doubt if anybody out there would understand, including myself. But if I was, but if I was speaking the language you knew, you would hear. When I'm preaching through the Spirit, and you don't have the Spirit, you don't have understanding.
So let me say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He came, the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But He said that He loved us enough that He would pay that price. For the remission of sin, there has to be the shedding of blood. And He shed His blood on that cross. Once and for always. That sacrificial, pure and perfect blood so that whomsoever believes in Him shall not perish. Whomsoever believes that He was resurrected from the dead, professes it with their mouth, believes it in their heart, so shall they be saved. That is you, folks. That is me. If you've never surrendered your life and your heart to Him, today is the day you can choose to do that. But once you do so, and don't don't try to lay it off on somebody else. Well, brother so-and-so said that uh, that that pastor doesn't really know what he's talking about or that church really is this. I'm just here because my mama makes me come. Don't lay it off on somebody else. This is your decision right now. I may be, I may be absolutely lost as a goose and that has nothing to do with your decision. You individually have to choose Christ for yourself. Please don't think you can stand before the Lord one day and say, well, I was waiting on the right preacher to come through. First of all, there is no right preacher. We're all men. And men are fallible. The only one who's right is Christ. And you choose Him or you don't. Make that choice today. If you do know Christ this morning, then are you a viable part of His church? Or are you missing the traps that Satan's been setting and you've been stepping on them? Where are you this morning? Let's, let's commit to the Lord today to choose to build up our brothers and sisters, to lift up one another in prayer, to reach across and, and, and let each other know God loves you in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your situations. And I'm going to pray for you. If the church would look more at praying for one another, rather than trying to outdo and be better than one another, we'd be a powerful institution. The Spirit of God would go forth as a body. This altar will be open. I can can pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. But will you ask the Lord this morning, am I that person that has stepped in that trap and have allowed Satan to use me? Or am I that person that has taken the talent you've given me and just hidden it and not been edifying and building up? Or maybe you'll say, God, I thank you that I am that person that just lifts one another. Whatever it is, will you ask God to show you who you are today? My sister blessed me a while ago. She, she asked about this thing on my wrist. And then she held her hands over hers and I saw her she was praying. I thought, oh, isn't that... That made me feel good that I knew she was praying for me over, over this that I never even told her about. Guys, that's what we should be doing for one another. Lifting each other in prayer. And you may not even get a thank you. But that's okay, because God knows. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in the word of prayer. Again, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost, guys. The angels in glory rejoice when another soul is saved from a devil's hell. Peter tells us that God desires that none should perish. No, not one. Don't be that one. God loves you. God loves you. As we pray. Father God, I come before you this morning again to say say thank you, God, that that you've put me here with a body of believers that I feel so comfortable with that I know, I, I feel your presence here in this place. If there is someone here today, Lord, that is lost, I pray that you will touch them. Move in their life and in their heart in a mighty way. Let them know that now is the time. That I, I, I was joking earlier when the amp was going off, Lord, that you're going to split the eastern sky one day. But that's true. You are. And it may happen right now. So God, let them understand the urgency of making that choice and decision before it's too late. And God, for the rest of us here that know you,
I pray in the name of Jesus. Show us our hearts, Lord. Show us where we've fallen short of your glory. Show us how we can be a a viable part of your body. And God, if we are that one that has that critical tongue, if we are that one that tends to to look down rather than up, if we are the one that, that always points out the faults before we show the positives, give us the grace and the strength to be able to overcome that. Help us through that, that trial of, uh, of sometimes we grew up in a way that was always demeaning and, and beaten down, and so we've just adhered to that mentality. Help us to let your grace shine forth to the point that we lift one another rather than hurt one another. God, I just pray your will to be done at this time of offering, and may your name be glorified by whatever, by whatever happens in this place. And may we never be blown around by any wind of doctrine, but stand on your will, your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this morning, if God's calling you out, make that commitment today. Right where you're at, you can hold up holy hands. Praise the Lord. I I, I like Chris's uh, analogy earlier. Get a little excited about what, what God's done for you. It's okay. I promise he won't zap you with lightning. Well, I can't say that can't say that. I'm pretty sure that he's not going to send down lightning. And if he did, you probably deserved it. No, I'm just kidding. Seriously, hold it up your hands. Praise the Lord. Just sing, but do what God tells you to do. Do what God tells you to do as we sing this morning.